0: Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm here today once again with Mike Jackson. Mike is OESA's Executive Director of Strategy and Research, a very important topic, a very important theme for us today for the supplier community. Mike Jackson, welcome back. How are you?
2: Doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: I'm looking at that car behind you. What are we looking at, Mike?
2: Yes, this is the uh, Mercedes-Benz. EQS. It's a, a concept vehicle, an all-electric, bad electric vehicle offering.
1: Is it something that's going to be in a garage near you?
2: Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell, right? No, it's it, it's really a, one of the um, Mercedes-Benz uh, you know, offerings that uh, to showcase their their direction, their uh, uh, where they're looking, you know, going forward.
1: To our listeners, we are on a Zoom video, Mike and I, and we're seeing each other, and perhaps someday you will see this video clip. So that's what I'm referring to. Mike has this beautiful car in his virtual background. I said virtual background, and that's where we'll leave it. Mike Jackson, let's talk about what's going on today around the world. Let me just set this up, and then I have some important questions for you. We're in a crisis. Yeah, oftentimes when our back is against the wall, and we're talking about the supplier community and basically all manufacturing communities We create something new. We know that we have to be lean in the face of, right now, limited capital. Resources are tight. Supply chains are disrupted. And industries like automotive need to find new approaches. So... The world is now collaborating in ways that maybe they never even dreamed of. Maybe, or maybe they said, no, 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 we will never do that. So let's talk about innovation. What is the need for innovation, Mike Jackson? How will this bring in collaboration? There's so many versions of the word collaboration. So start us off the importance of innovation today for the OESA community. Go ahead, Mike.
2: Sure, it's, it's a great topic. And, and obviously, it's, it's, or honestly, it's one that I've, I've liked to kind of, you know, uh, speak on pretty regularly because it, it's so important. Obviously the industry is, is incredibly dynamic. things change uh, very, very quickly and, and right now, as you mentioned, we do find ourselves in a crisis. Um, obviously innovation is, uh, is hard work. And, and yet what's interesting is that you know the industry has undergone a tremendous amount of change here, even over the past few years uh, as we look at higher levels of electrification. Uh, or as we look at higher levels of uh, technology in terms of automated driving and and, and connectivity and and the the rest. So what's interesting, though, is is it it requires a choice, and it's it's a difficult one because, you know, certainly there are business models that that exist today that have been very successful, very profitable, and then there are others that require a a significant incremental uh, outlay of, of capex, and so, the challenge here is how to balance, how to look at you know, innovating and, and, and coming up with solutions and products and even new business models and, and revenue streams to be successful in a, in a very dynamic environment. And so, right now, especially, obviously, the, the, the attention and the time and the focus is here to weather the storm and to get through it. But the idea is that there may be some unique opportunities that emerge even within this difficult environment. Um, if we think about the the, the push toward electrification, um, obviously any given program in and, and low volume may not be especially profitable or, or commercially viable. But if we think about even Tesla, where it's been quite successful within the electric vehicle space, it began with a Roadster. And the Roadster was very low volume. And what it did is it simply provided an opportunity to learn. And so this is where I think it's so important is that Oftentimes, I think in, in a lot of industries, not just in the automotive industry, but we can be pretty harsh uh, uh, in terms of assessing you know whether something has achieved commercial success. And so what's important here is that for many organizations, uh, innovation opens a door. It unlocks an opportunity to outpace market performance. And so with you know, the, the right focus, uh, and, and with the willingness to take some calculated risks, um, it's pretty remarkable how that can lead to some, you know, remarkable and um, some, some disproportionate returns. And so even in light of, of you know, the, the current environment, uh, I, would, I would simply encourage you to, to to also then keep in mind, obviously focusing on the near term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to talk about the idea of a parallel path. Looking at the near term, Looking at current, you know, kind of state of play, but then also trying to look beyond and looking at maybe that intermediate, you know, phase and saying, well, you know, looking at, at kind of traditional, um, your, your traditional business model, and then what are some opportunities that, that may exist here in the future?
1: Thank you, Mike. Very interesting. I want to talk about open innovation, and I know that the, one of the aspects of it is risk diver, risk mitigation through diversification. So, what's your thought? What's your advice to the supplier organizations, to the supplier people listening, as far as open innovation? What's the definition, first of all?
2: Well, it's a it's a great question. I, I honestly, I'm I'm really excited about the opportunity uh, to look at open innovation because it's it's something that historically Uh, wasn't um, as as prevalent, and yet our members are are, um, certainly making significant strides in this area. Open innovation simply means that you're you're willing and able to partner and align with other players um, in in terms of assessing and and, and evaluating new opportunities. Um, If we think about how much the industry has changed, the, the level of change is dramatic. And yet what's remarkable is with open innovation, because there's just no ability to fund every possible area of research, and it, so what it does is it opens the opportunity to work with other partners where there's a, a mutual benefit. And so it, it certainly requires some, some a new skill set, but I firmly believe that those organizations that develop a sophisticated partnering competency will effectively achieve a unique competitive advantage and and so what is also interesting think about opportunities that maybe didn't exist just even a short time ago obviously the stock market unfortunately has taken up just a a significant hit and so that means that um, you know resources are are under tremendous pressure you know they're going to be winners and losers and it's going to be a very challenging environment but what's What's also remarkable is that we know that valuations historically were, were very high, and that may have priced some you know, acquisitions or some type of activity out of the market. And, and so now, even in light of the situation that we find ourselves in, there, there are actually maybe some, some remarkable opportunities uh, to, to actually move forward and to, to tap into uh, um, new business models and, and ways of doing things with organizations that may be more than willing and and quite eager to to look at uh, partnering um, where uh, that may not have been feasible just even a short time ago.
1: Mike, it sounds to me like we're talking about not just change management, but a shift in mindset of leaders. As you mentioned, there might be opportunities for open innovation with companies you never dreamed of even talking to. And right now in this environment, I don't know if we go so far as to say desperation, but certainly open-mindedness Let's talk. Let's partner. Let's think. Let's combine resources, or let's collaborate in some way where you've got something, I've got something, and maybe something new, positive, and good will come from it. Is that the mindset we want leaders in automotive and in the supplier community to be thinking about right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think a growth mindset is absolutely vital. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Even if we go back and look at an example, if we look at China, even just over the past couple of years, you know, their official registry. At one time, had nearly 500 firms that were on the official registry of uh, as producers of battery electric vehicles. Now, not all of those organizations actually were were producing, but they were in the process of planning and developing. Well, what that did is certainly government funding, in, in many ways, actually created um, almost a, a scene out of the Wild Wild West. Right, there was this gold rush, and so. What's positive about that is that it ushered in this uh, um, incredible environment where a lot of activity was happening. But I think there was a, a bit of a shift, and one would argue that you know there certainly was a, an inflection point where some of the activity shifted towards speculation, and it, it didn't necessarily have the firm foundation uh, that um, you know certainly would would be able to withstand some some market pressures, and so. When we look now, obviously, that's going to usher in another era of, of consolidation. And so when we think about that consolidation, whether that's you know the China market or, or globally, uh, or, or even closer to home here in, in North America, the idea is that there are going to be uh, unique situations, unique opportunities to be able to work with players and, and, and capitalize on uh, unique opportunities that, that emerge from this, this difficult situation today.
1: Thank you, Mike. I have one more point I want to bring up here. What about the new landscape? And you and I chatted before we're meeting here today, and you talked about talent. Talent is a part of this new landscape. Talking about global talent shortages, what is the future? What is the prognosis, if you will, for what kinds of talent suppliers can bring into their workforce, whether it's the gig economy, whether it's if we ever go back to working in offices again, whether it's all remote collaboration. So what what's your vision as strategy and research person at OESA? What's your vision on talent?
2: Yeah, well, it, it's obviously things have changed so dramatically, and, and certainly my heart goes out to, to those impacted here and in this uh, situation. But what, what I would also then and, and Advise leaders to, to consider as this we we know that the industry had, had already been tra- transitioning and you know this toward this new mobility environment right and so um, whether electrification or with regard to um, ADAS and, and uh, automated driving features the idea is that um, we know that there's this shift that continues from hardware toward software and um, you know if we think about uh, the, the level of, of scarcity, you know, obviously we're in a different situation today, but you know, at the end of last year, I know that over the past number of years, uh, talent, availability of talent and, uh, was a, a significant constraint for uh, growth for uh, many of our members. And so that's, a, a, a again, a, had been a difficult reality to contend with, but now we're in a different situation. And so if we think about uh, your typical vehicle today, um, in the past, it was maybe 100 million lines of code that existed within a, a model, okay? In the present day, we're at about 200 million lines of code that's in a, a given vehicle. What's remarkable is that with higher levels of, um, of automated driving, you know, level four and, and beyond, we're looking at over a billion lines of code. And so whether or not we get to that level four or level five, Obviously, as we transition down this path, we know that software and uh, this skill set and others like it, obviously, within the manufacturing environment, um, Industry 4.0 and all the rest, it's going to require different tools. Um, Even here as we stand, um, it's been a number of weeks now uh, that we've been uh, working remotely remotely. So, think of how suppliers have been able to, and and organizations and their their workers, have been able to work remotely and and learning new skills and becoming more adept as a result of this. And so, what I would simply look at or encourage you to look at is, obviously, weather the storm, but then also consider the prospect of being able to ramp up or to... To partner or align or work with others within this space that are are looking for a a bridge in order to to be positioned to to be even stronger uh, coming out of this, um, this circumstance.
1: Mike, I'm using a personal reference point. I was a programmer analyst. I'll say back in the day, whatever that means to anybody, back in the day of Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 and COBOL and key punching, Oh, my. I said it. And I remember knocking out 2,000 lines of code on a weekend, handwritten, and then keep punching it and having it running by noon the next day and jumping up and down. Eureka! What a, I loved my work. And you just mentioned a billion lines of code. Nice. It's it, it boggles anybody's mind, but especially me having come from that part of early. I was told a couple of years ago, somebody told me I was an early woman in tech. I didn't even think of it that way. So we'll leave it there. Mike Jackson, I always learn so much from you. I'm so appreciative of your time. You're so busy as in your role at OESA in charge of research and strategy, strategy and research. Very important. Mike, we have to give our listeners a place to go for more information. You want to give them the website or shall I?
2: Absolutely, happy to. Uh, please, by all means, if you have any information or you'd like to find more information, uh, by all means, take a look at OESA.org. Uh, uh, where there's a, a tremendous number of resources that would be available to you. Uh, don't need to be a member. Um, it's simply a great place to, to reference, to find insights uh, on the industry and, and on the supply chain.
1: Mike Jackson, Executive Director strategy, and research. I got it right this time at OESA. It's a pleasure. I hope our paths cross again. Very happy to speak with you and a shout out to the people at OESA who made this possible. I'm Bonnie Degram for Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Everybody, my message is the same. Be safe, be smart, and be well. Talk to you soon. Bye, Mike.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.